Welcome to the Vantage Performance Podcast. I'm Phil Dobby and I'm joined by Michael Fingland, Executive Director of Vantage Performance. Now, it's two years since the Australian Federal Government introduced the Safe Harbour legislation. Enough time to see how it's worked out, how it's been used and what kind of tweaks are needed to make it even better. That's what we examine this time on the Vantage Performance Podcast. So, Michael, I mean, before we look at what the safe harbour legislation has achieved and how it can be used, let's remind ourselves, first of all, of uh, why it was introduced. I mean, the idea was, wasn't it, that it was to stop companies becoming insolvent uh, or going into administration, a, a road that often only has one destination, and allow them to find a way to trade out of their difficulties. That was, that was the general idea, wasn't it? Are there, are there indications that that's working? Yeah, that's right, Phil. Good morning, yeah, as you said, the, the intent of the safe harbour legislation was to prevent directors putting companies into voluntary administration prematurely mm. when there were realistic prospects to turn them around and to avoid all the sort of collateral damage that happens when companies collapses, uh, when they collapse. So that was the, the intent. And, you know, it launched uh, almost two years ago now. And there's been um, quite, quite significant take up in certain segments of the economy, certainly a lot of um, financiers and, and lawyers are really pushing this, um, but that was the main intent. It was is to is to ensure that directors are aware, firstly, that there are turnaround solutions as opposed to insolvency, which is still a message that needs to get out there. Uh, there's a lot of education still required there because, as as an industry, it's still only very young. Um, so that was one of the primary reasons: is hey, there there are you know, alternatives out there, and there's a protection mechanism to ensure you can't be sued for insolvent trading uh, should should your turnaround plan not work. So after two years, the government said there was going to be a review to see how it is going, but you've done quite a mm. few yourself, haven't you? So, uh, do you, I mean, do, do you think the legislation is right as it is? Does it need changing in any way, or is it pretty much on the on, on the mark? Yeah, I mean, as you say, the, the two-year anniversary is coming up in September, and the government did say that they would conduct a review at that time. It's with the election that's just passed... Um, Getting it back on the agenda for September may be a challenge, but mm. there certainly does need to be a review. A few of the guidance notes need to be tweaked and updated, um, particularly around the definition of a qualified entity or qualified advisor. That's a bit loose. Um, so there are a few little things, a few little ambiguities, and which is why we're now that we've done 15 or so of these engagements, uh, we've, we certainly learnt a lot about the legislation and, and some of the ambiguities, and that's why we're doing this updated podcast, just to let everyone know some of the experiences that we've had and some of the, the areas to look out for and some of the grey areas, uh, which which certainly need to be uh, tidied up once the review happens. Because, I mean, the wording in the legislation seems a little bit vague, doesn't it? Because it says, you know, it's, it's all about finding a better mm. outcome for the for, for the company. Mm. What exactly does that mean? Yeah, I mean, the, that, the overarching question, this, I mean, the safe harbour process, by and large, is a very compliance-based, or clients-based, I should say, uh, process. Um, you know, you have to lodge certain things on time, as we've talked about in previous podcasts. You know, there, there are certain sort of statutory obligations you have to maintain, and that's either a yes or a no or black and white ticker box process. But the overarching question, and the government des- designed the legislation to make it easy to get into safe harbour. So, you know, we certainly commend them for the speed at which, uh, or the process that they've designed, because you can get into safe harbour very, very quickly. And the overarching question, as you just alluded to, is is, is the is the plan that you're working on, not not that you've completed and you're about to launch, but what, because safe harbour protection can kick in once you're starting to work on a plan. So is that plan reasonably likely to lead to a better outcome than going to VA or liquidation immediately? So it's actually not a very high bar to get over, as long as you've got super up-to-date and employee entitlements are being mm. paid on time, 
you know, all of your statutory uh, reporting obligations are being met. Um, you know, as I said, that's very black and white. You either have or you haven't. And but that overarching question is actually not a, a very high bar to to get over if you know what you're doing. Well, if you know what you're doing, and you mentioned uh, a lot of the referrals come from financiers and lawyers. So, what happens if you haven't got that level of professional expertise on tap? Uh, you might not uh, be directed down the best route possible. Mm. So, does that mean there's a a need for a bit of an education process still around all of this? Yeah, I mean, certainly that's ongoing. I mean, the AICD, the Australian Institute of Company Directors in Australia, got on this really early. Um, so they did some podcasts as we did, you know, before and, and just after it launched. So they've done a huge sort of education application process, and that's ongoing. Uh, and but certainly, and all the various industry bodies need to keep pushing this because it was never going to be, you know, an initial sort of announcement, and then everyone takes it up. We're still coming across directors now that are part of the AICD that. That haven't heard of this yet. Wow! Now, before Safe Harbor launched, we certainly started using this angle, and we've been doing it ever since. To anyone who wants to listen, is use Safe Harbor as an easier way to introduce the concept of getting turnaround help. You know, when when a financier or particularly a financier suggests suggests to a company to get help, they so a lot of directors think this is all about protecting the bank. Uh, so there's this untold. Um, or subconscious sort of bias, or is this, is this really about the bank, not about me? But the beauty of Safe Harbour is it's all about protecting the directors. So it takes that perception, whether it's real or not, doesn't matter. It takes the perception of that issue off the table so they're more likely to take it up. And, you know, to get into Safe Harbour, Harbour Protection, you need to have a turnaround plan. So you still end up getting the turnaround advice. The bank still gets comfort because the client's qualified for Safe Harbour and now they've got a, a robust plan. But... You know, it's an easier way for the directors to take up that, that help because it's all about protecting them, not primarily about the bank. So are they taking it up, though, at the point at which normally, you know, in the past they would have um, been saying, well, okay, we have to we have to move into voluntary administration now because we're trading insolvent. And if, if that is the case, is that if that is the point at which they're, mm. they're taking up this safe harbour uh, advantage, mm. I guess, I mean, mm. isn't that too late in most cases to actually do any good? Sure. I mean, you'd, ideally, no. you'd want to start much sooner than that, wouldn't you? Uh, ideally, that's that's the holy grail in, in turnaround is trying to get yeah. them, you know, weeks earlier would be nice. But um, I mean, we've turned around plenty of businesses that were days away from shutting their doors. So, you know, there, there are always lots of levers you can pull um, that companies are just not aware of uh, because they don't do this every day. So what we found for a typical turnaround assignment, they're not coming in earlier. But because Safe Harbour is now being used for other interesting um, situations, which a lot of people hadn't sort of envisaged before it went live. So some of these, so it's encouraging a lot of these companies to use it in this way. So they're coming to us earlier and you're, you've got more time to come up with uh, you know, a better plan or a more robust plan, or at least make sure that there's less disruption and water taken on as you go through the through the through the workout. Right. Well, let's look at some of those. Other so other than the conventional approach, where you know you're just about to go into voluntary administration, what are, what are the other ways this legislation is being used? Yeah. So the, the the most obvious one is where you know a company's about to or it's in the middle of, and then and Safe Harbour. Just back on your point about insolvency, Safe Harbour is designed to still kick in even if you are insolvent, and that that's the beauty of it. So as long as the plan you're working on is still going to be a better outcome than immediate VA liquidation. So that's the key. So you can still be insolvent and get protection. So that's that's the bit of our legislation here. So and as I said before, it's never too late. There's always options available. So it, the, the, the most common way, the typical turnaround process where uh, financiers, you, know, you might have gone to your financiers and said, well, 
working on a plan. Often now the banks are actually asking the directors, are you availing yourself of safe harbour protection? Because they know it's good for them as well because it's, it's another shot in the arm from a credit point of view. So it's, it's great to see you know, all you know, lawyers, bankers, accountants, they're all now um, suggesting directors go down that path in, in a normal turnaround situation because it provides peace of mind to everybody, not just directors. Um, <clears throat> the other key ways we've also seen it used um, here as well is during a, uh, a process where the only way to, to save the day, if you like, is to get a sale away. So you might have a business in decline, so you've got a very short track sale process underway, and if you don't get the sale away, then the business will collapse. So now, n- normally, uh, a lot of these businesses would have gone into VA straight away. They just wouldn't have taken that, that risk on. Whereas now, they can go into safe harbour protection, uh, continue down the, the sale path to try and get that sale of business away, and if it doesn't work, well, they can't be sued for insolvent trading. So again, it's a, it's, you're still giving uh, a plan the best chance of success, whereas otherwise it would have gone into VA uh, or receivership liquidation you know, weeks earlier. So it's being used in a, in a rapid distress sale process. Um, some uh, venture capitalists uh, who typically are on boards of startups, so they're seeing it uh, uh, really beneficial in this way where you know, a business might have had first round, second round venture capital funding. You know, they're still in their sort of startup phase, so they're still burning cash and they're still, um, they might even be pre-revenue, they might, but they're still losing money. But that's part of the plan. And then, and then you know, rounds three and four and then, then, then you're away. Directors now, uh, particularly if they're concerned that they may not get the third round of funding away or fourth round, so they're going into safe harbour protection now just to protect them in case they don't get the next round of capital away. So again, it's providing peace of mind to directors in that in that process. Well, that's yeah. a good one, isn't it? Because that's actually help. That's helping mm. innovation. That's helping mm. new businesses mm. start up. And we've we've also now seen it used uh, in this situation. It wasn't necessarily intended for this, but it's still providing a better outcome. So where you've got a business that you know, unfortunately, it is too late, and it does need to go through a VA process. You can do a number of restructuring initiatives to get a better result for everybody. Yeah, so you're taking you're restructuring. You're taking out the best bits of the company, the bits mm. that, that'll still work, rather than seeing the whole thing. Go yeah, you might be able to sell a division. You might be able to, um, um, or just sell assets at a much higher value because the market doesn't see you as being a distressed seller. So you know, so it's being used for for all those different reasons, and and it's leading to much better results for for creditors. So what would you change? I mean, if you know, given there's this review coming up, and you've um, you've seen so much of it, mm. uh, one or two quick changes that you think are obvious now at this stage that need to be made to make it more workable. Yeah, certainly the definition of qualified entity needs to be tightened up. So at the moment, it's it's, it's really they, the government gave some guidelines as to the minimum requirements to be a, a QE, but really they should mandate that you need to be a member of a professional body, whether it be chartered accountants, you know, uh, turnaround management association, RETA, and all of those should be included in that definition, not just one. Okay, what else? The mechanics of, of when you may drop out of safe harbour protection once you're up and running. There's there's some, some different viewpoints around um, the two-strike rule. You know, what does a material breach of compliance regime look like? There's no, there's no sort of guidance. So, so one of the... One of the issues is if you, know, if, you, if, you if you lodge your BAS returns late uh, once or twice, um, you know if you lodge it late by day, is that a material breach, or is or is it intended that you know if you're a month late, is that a material breach? Because uh, you, you can drop out of safe harbour protection once you start. So just some guidance around what does a material breach look like, because no one really knows. So I mean our our, our view is just you know make sure we don't breach, but 
just some, and we haven't had those issues, but there's some of the things that have come up uh, in, in the process. And um, so definition of QE and just some, what does a material breach actually mean? Right. And of all the ways you've described this being used, I mean, what is the, the success rate? Can we say hand on heart that it really is saving companies? Oh, absolutely. But the thing is, the safe harbour process is not the panacea. Because all it is, really, the way, and the way we approach safe harbour, it's just a softer uh, way to get introduct, introduced to a, to, a, to a client to help them turn the business around. So of the 15 or so that we've done, only three were standalone safe harbour reviews where we were just, where they already had a plan or they were comfortable they could, they could develop or execute their plan. And we were brought in just to review their plan, make sure they qualify for safe harbour and then, and then monitor the process to ensure they, they stay protected. But, you know, it's just part of our standard phase one process now. Uh, and it's, it's, it's a very easy sell if you like, because, you know, it's an insurance policy. Safe Harbor is an insurance policy. So it's just, it's a huge peace of mind tool. It's just one less thing they have to worry about. Yeah, well, so long as they've got you guys working on the mm. plan, uh, of course. Uh, we'll leave you there for now. Thank you for explaining all of that to us, Michael. And uh, let's watch with interest and see whether your recommendations get taken up. Good to talk. Yes, Phil. Michael Fingland from Vantage Performance. And next time on the Vantage Performance podcast, the big turnaround questions that Vantage Performance always asks, the common questions to try and resolve whether a company's problems are solvable. It's like a quick evaluation tool, a bit more of Vantage Performance's IP being given away. Uh, So tune in for that next time on the Vantage Performance podcast. I'm Phil Dobby. See you then. 